The following podcast contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. We miss her every day. We can't pick up the phone and call her. We can't hug her. We can't ever see her again. We didn't even get to see her and say goodbye to her at her funeral. We had to have a closed casket because of what you did to her. We didn't get to see her one last time. We didn't get to hold her hand when she took her last breath. You took that away. You didn't call 911 and even give a chance for someone to come and try to help her. We loved her. We missed her. And we just want answers. We want a little piece of closure. You are listening to Jay is for Justice podcast with no other than Jay. Today, Jay takes you to Washington Township, Michigan, to talk about the unsolved hit and run of Sandra Lee Lepp. Washington Township, Michigan is located in the outskirts of Metro Detroit. The population in Washington Township in 2012 was approximately 25,000. On December 15, 2012, Sandra Lee Lepp, 37-year-old mother of five, her husband Vernon, and some friends boarded a party bus at a local bar called Santino's. They headed down to downtown Detroit for a night out. While in Detroit, they hit up several establishments, including a comedy club, where the last known footage of Sandra alive was taken. The last stop on the party bus was when they were dropped off back at the bar in Washington Township. It's about friends who were there with Sandra at Santino's stated that Sandra and Vernon had an argument. They then took the argument outside of the bar. Vernon ultimately left on foot and Sandra attempted to go back inside the bar. After all, her purse and phone were still inside where the group of friends continued their night of fun. There was one problem. The bouncer would not let Sandra back in the bar. It's unclear why this bouncer wouldn't let her in. Did she seem to be too intoxicated? Was it her emotional state? I know it has been reported that she was crying um, pretty hard. So was that, was that the reason? We aren't sure, but what we are sure of is that she decided to walk home from the bar. Her home was about a two and a half mile walk from Santino's. Now, at 1 a.m., that's a pretty long walk in the dark. Um, The temperature was a little higher than normal for Michigan in December. It was about 40 degrees. She headed north, walking either on the shoulder or on the roadway of Van Dyke Road. Now, this area does not have heavy traffic in the late evening hours. In fact, after midnight, it wouldn't be surprising if you were the only car on the road. 
the mother of five children would never make it home. Sandra got about a half a mile up the road when an unknown driver struck and dragged her body almost a quarter of a mile. What happened next is what sets this case apart from the hundreds and thousands of other hit and runs that occur in the United States. You took a life. You chose to treat her like an animal. And that's not right. Vernon Lope speaks out on behalf of his wife, Sandra, the 37-year-old mother of five children, left Santino's Bar on Van Dyke at 1 a.m. on December 16th. She was walking home when she was hit by a vehicle. That driver continued on more than 600 feet, dragging Sandra under the vehicle. The driver eventually stopped. Investigators say someone got out of the vehicle and pulled Sandra Lope's body from underneath. Then the vehicle drove off. Sandra was discovered in the parking lot of a mobile home park on Van Dyke near Campground Road in Washington Township. Please, you know who did this, and you know who you are out there. You owe it to God, you owe it to me, you owe it to our family, and you owe it to our kids. You have to come forth. We have to have closure. What you did is just unbelievable. This should never happen to anyone, but how do you explain this to five young children? You know, it's not fair to us to have had to bury our sister. We should not be here. We should not have to do this. It's not fair that her children have to grow up without a mother now. The driver knew exactly what happened. There will be considerable damage to the right front passenger side of the car, just feet away from the driver. Somebody knows of a vehicle that may have some damage to the uh, front passenger side. Um, that's information. Any little bit will help, and our investigators are going to follow up on every tip. We are told that person who hit Sandra got out of their car and pulled her out from under the vehicle and then just drove away. Later that morning, at approximately 8.20 a.m., her lifeless body was found in the parking lot in front of an office of a mobile home park by a motorist who was traveling in the area of Van Dyke, south of 28 Mile Road. Immediately following the accident, rumors of marital discord between Sandy and Vernon were circling the small town. The police zeroed in on Vernon, but obviously cleared him of any fault in the accident. There were also no skid marks on the road where someone would have put on their brakes before or after hitting Sandra. So zero leads there. Police did determine it was a truck of some sort that hit Sandra. Investigators believe that the vehicle that struck her would have damage to the front end as well as the passenger side of the vehicle. Lots of tips flooded in, but not one panned out. Sandra has six brothers and sisters. They have a Facebook page, and they continue even six years later to keep this case fresh in the minds of everyone who went and liked that page at one point in time. They've had billboards with Sandra's picture in hopes that someone would call in a tip, even if anonymous. The fundraisers that they had are a thing of the past, but everyone in this small community has not forgotten. Lep's loved ones just want the driver to turn him or herself in, and they have an unbelievably graceful way of expressing it. Whoever was responsible for the accident, whoever might have caused it, as I said before, we're not looking for revenge. 
We're not out to get you. All we're looking for is justice and closure on the case for my mom. I feel we all deserve it, and I feel it would, I feel in the bottom of your heart, you know what you did was wrong, and it would bring peace and closure to everybody to just come forth and tell the truth. I understand that this probably was an accident and you're afraid of getting caught and paying the consequences because the consequences would be severe. There's no doubt about it. Your, your uh, freedom, you might have children, you might have a wife, you might have a family that you care about. Well, you know, you took the life of somebody who had a family that they cared about and they're gone and their children are without a mother anybody to give them the guidance that they need and I wish you would turn yourself in uh, that uh, probably isn't going to happen but I wish you would and if you have any friends out there that know what's going on think about the pain and suffering that the family has gone through and drop a dime call Crime Stoppers that reward is up to $12,500. I'd be glad to see you get it. I don't know who you are, where you come from, or why you did this to my beautiful daughter, but she didn't deserve to go that way. And you have got to be eaten up every day for what you did to her. And I feel sorry for you because you can't be a good person inside to do this and not do anything about it. And I just pray that you come forward because it's eaten you up so badly that you can't stand it anymore. Because we need closure. And the only way to get closure is to have you come forward and tell someone what you did. So there you heard from Sandra's family, and you can hear the desperation in their voice that they just want whoever is responsible to come forward. Moving on, I would like to now turn things over to a different route and welcome Almond Joy. She's joining me tonight. Hi there, Jay. What is happening? How are you? I'm great and interested in talking about this case. I know this is close to your uh, home and you've got some mutual friends. So I think this is a great way to start out your new podcast series. Yeah, I'm excited. And yeah, this case does kind of, it really does hit home. Um, It's really bothered me for a long time. And Sandra's friends and my friends, we have some mutuals. And it just, I think it just kind of lingers over everybody. I mean, every time I drive by where it happened, there's still a cross, you know, stuffed animals, wreaths. It's just really extremely sad. So and what were your thoughts or questions or yeah. what do you well, think? Well, the first thing that kind of struck me, I mean, you know, it sounded like they were just having a normal night out with friends on the party bus and doing what a lot of us do on the weekends. Um, the first thing that kind of struck me that I wanted to ask you was when you were 
talking about that her and her husband had a disagreement and then she wanted to go back into the bar to retrieve her belongings and I guess, you know, possibly get a ride home. Uh, do you know why the bouncer did not allow her to go back in? Where Was he ever interviewed? You know, that's a really good question. And I've never heard that he was interviewed. I wondered that myself. And I did speak with her sister. It's been a couple years. Um, and she did not have the answers to that either. But it's a really good question. And I know sometimes at these bars, you know, if a girl is crying, emotional, she's kind of drunk, you know, and this bar, I want to just say it's, it was an upstairs. It's not, it's no longer there, but it's an upstairs. So there was like these huge wide stairs that you had to walk up to get to the door. So if she was, you know, stumbling up those stairs, cause the bouncer would be right there at the top of the stairs, he may have thought, you know what, this girl's wasted. And she doesn't need to come in and be served anymore. However, I think it's very irresponsible. And this is how I felt about Santino's all along after this happened. I felt like it was very irresponsible of the the bouncer to send this girl off. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, I don't care if she was inebriated. I mean, that'd be, in my opinion, even more reason to let her back in. I mean... If he was there all night, he had to have known that she came with a group. So, right. I mean, I, I know there's nothing that can be done about that now, but I, it was just curious about, mm-hmm. you know, what his, uh, if he had been interviewed at all, rather than just leaving her out there and letting her strike out on her own to walk home. So that's, that's a shame. Right. And, you know, another part that bothers me is her phone and her purse were inside the bar with her friends. So I would think that she would say, you know, I I need my purse or I need, you know, I need my phone. I would say that. I mean, I don't care if I'm drunk. I still would want my Mm -hmm. phone. I would still be wanting my purse and my phone. So I don't know what came out of her mouth and what came out of his mouth. And, you know, a lot of these smaller towns that these things happen in, they don't get the coverage like they do, you know, in the city. So right. we didn't get a whole lot of details, and I wish we would have. Yeah, that that would have been nice to know. And, you know, obviously her friends were inside and didn't realize that she was in distress or, or anything, and she had no way to contact them. So, um, And then the other thing I was thinking about was as far as her starting to walk and everything, and, you know, what I've heard about the story and listened to, it sounds like, again, this is not a – I think it was noted that this is not a road that was well-traveled. So there wasn't a lot of traffic on it. And I'm just wondering, you know, maybe did they ever talk about whether because she was inebriated, whether they believe she stepped out in front of the vehicle that hit her? I mean, they don't know where she was, where she was walking. That's why it was reported she was either in the roadway or on the shoulder. So either she was right over the line, because if you notice the damage that they're looking for is on the passenger side. So she got hit on the passenger side of whatever vehicle because they came up behind her. So she was on the correct side of the road. We just don't know, you know, was she in the middle of the lane? Was she, you know, we just don't know. 
So there weren't any skid marks to even determine where she was hit. So we're not sure, I don't think, exactly where she was in the roadway. Okay. And another question, so they've now determined that this was a truck that hit her, um, which to me, I don't know, with this being a uh, a road that wasn't well-traveled and it being a truck, I mean, it almost sounds, correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost sounds like it would have to be someone local, but yet if it was someone local, they would have needed uh, some sort of repairs to their vehicle. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And there's been speculation that it is someone who was out of town, you know, was here visiting from out of town and that they left and they're just gone. But also there are some rumors that, you know, how the rumor mill is, but there was a man and I'm not going to say his name, but there was a man who was a business owner here. So he owned a shop that did all this customization of diesel trucks. And he actually committed suicide. It was a couple years after this happened, but the rumor mill was that he was the one that hit her and he couldn't live with himself. But I don't know if there's any truth to that. But everyone was saying he would be one that could take his truck to his shop, have it fixed, and no one would ever know. Right. And that's what I was thinking was if it was someone who, you know, um, had a truck, uh, you know, maybe like a tow truck or didn't you say it was snowing on that night or had snowed? There was snow on the ground, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it snowed that night. It was like it was like 40 degrees that night. So, you know, if it was someone who was in the business and had trucks, I guess they could have very easily repaired the truck without anyone even knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And his suicide was just, I think, really shocking for the community because he was always like this happy-go-lucky, like, you know, really involved guy. And for him to all of a sudden just kill himself in his home was really odd. So I don't know, you know, I don't know behind that, you know, with the investigation, if he was looked into I would think if they determined it was him, they would give closure to the family. But, you know, it's altogether possible they can't determine if it was him. So it just remains like this mystery. And yeah, if it was someone like that, that was so distraught that, you know, it drove them to suicide, that he would at least left a suicide note explaining, you know, why he did it. But I guess everyone doesn't. When you're in that state of mind, I'm sure you're not thinking logical. So, right, right. And I don't know. I guess what's in what world is it easier to kill yourself than to just admit what you did wrong? Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing I did also wonder, Jay, is was there any DNA that was, uh, you know, someone pulled her out from under the vehicle? Did they ever test her body for uh, DNA? You know, that's another good question. And that's another thing that we've never heard anything about, whether there was or wasn't. It's altogether possible that maybe they were wearing gloves, so there wasn't. But we've never been told either way whether or not there was DNA on her. And they seem to be pretty sure in, you know, everything that I've read and listened to 
that that person physically dislodged her from underneath their truck. So to physically dislodge someone, you have to touch them. Right. Um, It's just, it's unfathomable to me that you could dislodge a body from underneath your, your vehicle, drop it, and keep rolling down the road. Yeah, well, I do know um, we had a similar, not not the same, but a similar case here uh, not too long ago with a, a bus, which if this was a large enough truck, you know, maybe you could make the comparison here. So mm-hmm. the, um, the Metro bus stopped at a, a stop near my house and a young man supposedly dropped his cell phone and went under the bus to retrieve it and the bus took off and the bus driver did not realize for, uh, it was at least, um, I want to say a quarter of a mile that there, there was anyone under the bus. And the only reason that the bus ever even stopped was because the body came out from under the bus. There was a car driving behind the bus and the body came out and the people driving the the vehicle behind the bus went around the bus and alerted oh. the driver, and he stopped. Now, um, it, whether this is you know factual or not, they the police said they were able to determine that he actually committed suicide. Mm. And uh, you know, I could think of better ways to commit suicide than to have you know be drugged by a bus, but um, supposedly the bus driver oh, never. Saying, even, oh, you're saying the man who got who got drugged was committing suicide. That's what the police have determined. Oh, I thought you meant the bus driver. Okay. No. And so, but in my point being the bus driver said that he never even knew there was anyone under the bus. So, um, you know, I'm just wondering if that could be possible, if this is a large enough truck, if maybe they didn't even realize that they had hit someone and if she, I mean, I'm just, uh, I guess my question is, I'm wondering, were they able to actually determine that her body was pulled out from under what hit her rather than her just popping out from under the vehicle? Yeah, they seemed pretty sure that she was actually removed from underneath their vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, then it does seem like there should be some DNA, doesn't there? I just... Would you would think you know touch DNA at least would be on her body, but right, she, right. I mean, yeah, I don't know how that look, works, Karen. When there's yeah, if someone was wearing gloves, like winter gloves. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, would they? You know, would there be fibers? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. And it looked like uh, when I read the article, she seemed to be a rather petite woman. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. She was tiny. Um, So another thought I had, you know, and I've had all along is, you know, I'm just trying to, as sick as it is, you know, picture how this went down. And after they hit her, how they drove, I mean, they actually had to drive like a straightaway. They went around a curve, went on a straightaway, and then had to turn left at a light. Okay. To go the route where they pulled into the parking lot. So... I'm, I guess I'm just wondering, did were they sure that she was under there, stuck? Were they sure about what they hit? You know, did did they not? I mean, 1 o'clock in the morning, they could have been, you know, intoxicated. 
Right. Did they think right. maybe they hit a deer and pulled over in that parking lot and was like, oh my God. But who doesn't call 911? Someone who exactly. I guess doesn't want to go to jail, right? Yeah. I mean, if they were, you know, like you said, if they were drinking uh, and, you know, they didn't want to be, who knows, maybe they had priors or whatever, but you would think that their conscience after all these years would make them come forward. But, you know, doesn't always happen. So, True. In the mean, yeah, in the meantime, her family's left to suffer all these years. And, and it sounds like just listening to their, um, you know, interviews and reading the articles, I mean, all they want to know is what happened. Right. Just her family, just curious. um, I know she had five children. Do they all still live in the area? You know, um, I know the, the boy that the youngest boy she had with her current husband, Vernon, they moved, they live in a couple towns over. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe her her boys from her first marriage went to their dad's, which isn't far. And his daughters, obviously, he had two daughters and they went with their mother. And I'm not sure where her well, mother lives. Well, I know it's changed all of their lives forever. And, you know, hopefully maybe someone's even listening to your podcast and maybe they have new information that they'd like to to share. Well, that's what I'm hoping, you know, I mean, this could be somebody who didn't live here and who knows, you know, who knows what somebody knows or what will trigger their memory. You know, this family, obviously they're not even out for vengeance. They're not even angry. They're hurt and they just want closure. And I think they deserve that closure. Definitely. With that being said, um, there is a Crime Stoppers reward that is still available for anybody who can help them solve this case. And I want to play the Crime Stoppers press conference for everybody. Okay, great. All right, so let's play that now. We're here today to help the Lepp family. They're looking for any information, any information at all regarding the murder of their loved one, Sandra Lepp. On Saturday, December 15th, less than two weeks ago, Sandra and her husband drove with some friends to Santino's Bar on Van Dyke to take a party bus and have dinner with friends in Detroit. Later that evening, everyone returned to Santino's. Sandra was last seen at 1 a.m. when she left the bar and started walking north on Van Dyke near Campground Road, where she was killed by a hit-and-run driver. Her friends believed that she had a ride home. They did not know she was walking on Van Dyke Road. It is unknown why she chose to walk home. She was dragged for 600 feet when the driver pulled her body from under the vehicle and then drove away. Later that morning, her body was found in the parking lot of the Washington Township manufactured home community on Van Dyke. Sandra and her husband Vernon live in Washington Township with her five children. Sandra was just 37 years old. She was the mother of five children. She had been taking time off to raise her family. She had previously been in management for 15 years and owned the party supply company. She had dreams of owning her own event planning and decorating company. Sandra always wanted to make other people happy. 
She always added a special touch to any event or party, and every detail had to be just right. She would stop at nothing to make sure her vision was carried out. Sandra is survived by her husband, her children, and a very large extended family and friends. If you have any information of any kind about what might have happened, we are asking that you please make an anonymous phone call to Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP. Or if you wish, you can go to our website, www.1800speakup.org, and also make an anonymous tip. Crime Stoppers of Michigan is offering a cash reward of $2,500 for information that leads to an arrest. There does not have to be a conviction. This reward is also paid anonymously. If this information is received by midnight tonight, there is an additional $1,000 reward for a total reward of $3,500. Sandy was a wonderful mother, caring. She was always there for everyone, parties, everything she could do to help anybody. She was always there. Her father and I want this to be settled. Please come up and, and let us know who did this. We need your help. Anyone can bring anything. The littlest thing might make a difference. And all her family and friends and aunts and uncles and cousins, everyone would, get, would like to get this all done with so we could have some peace and coverage. Thank you. You know who did this. You know who you are out there. You owe it to God. You owe it to me, you owe it to our family, and you owe it to our kids. You have to come forth. We have to have closure. What you did is just unbelievable. You took a life. You chose to treat her like an animal, and that's not right. So please do the right thing. I know you're feeling guilty, and I know God will make this right. Please come forth and help our family. Put a closure to this. We are asking for the public's help in this case. Again, our detectives since uh, December 16th when Sandra's body was discovered have been working uh, day and night um, trying to bring some closure to the family that's behind me here today. And so with the help of Crime Stoppers, um, we are pleading to the community to provide us with information. Um, any little bit of information that you might have. Um, we are hoping at some point that the individual that's responsible, may the conscience may get to them and, and uh, tell somebody or somebody knows of a vehicle that may have some damage to the uh, front passenger side. Um, that's information. Any little bit will help and our investigators are gonna follow up on every tip because it's our job to help Sandra and help this family here and bring closure to them. Okay, I just want to note that the reward has increased I believe it's over $10,000 now. That was very early on. And if anybody has any information about this hit and run, you never know. Hopefully something will help the family. The number for Crime Stoppers is 1-800-SPEAK-UP. And you can also submit a tip online at www.1800speakup.org.
Well, I think it's great that you're bringing this back to the forefront. I know you said they have a Facebook page, but I'm sure the family really appreciates you uh, having your first, especially your first podcast, focusing on this on this case, Jay. Oh, well, I hope so. I hope that I can help in some way. It'd be great. It really would make everything worth it. So thank you, Almond Joy, for being here. You're welcome. And what's the next podcast going to focus on? The next one, you know, we just can't let it go. We just can't. It's the Watts case. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, but we have, to, we have to wrap it up, right? We have to have closure on this. So a lot has come out. We have the the autopsy, we have all of the 2000 pages of discovery and now they are fixing to release video from what I understand. So, um, I know like we, you and I talked about, we're going to put together a, kind of a series on the Watts case from beginning yeah, I to think end. That'll be great. Yeah. Now that we, we really know facts instead of, you know, a lot of speculation, I think it'll be really great to just take it from a factual standpoint from beginning to end and kind of break it down. So I know that the listeners will have some questions that they would like to submit on that. And, and that'll be really great. And then I think, didn't we hear today that uh, Chris was transferred to his new home? Yeah. Yeah. That actually came through tonight that he's been transferred. We don't know where yet, but there's the new mug shot out and he's shaven and he's gained about 40 pounds. So, yeah, I, I had to really look twice because, uh, you know, as everyone knows, I was in both of those hearings and he doesn't look at all like what I saw. Yeah. He's um, not thriving anymore, is he? No, he's not. And he looks completely different without his beard and his glasses. And um, yeah, so uh, I'll be curious to uh, to find out where his new home is located. Yeah, same. So, we also might um, be able to talk to someone who was actually in the county jail with him. Oh, wonderful. Well, yeah. good. I'm, so, I'm excited about that. I know everybody's uh, going to be excited for this. Everybody's Watts case junkies. But like you said, I agree with you on coming at this from a factual standpoint now and being able to put all of the pieces together. I think it's going to help all of us kind of make sense of all that has happened and all because we did so much speculating for so many months that... I think kind of, you know, coming to this conclusion will kind of help everybody just kind of put it all together and move on. Yeah, I agree. So I'm, I'm very excited and I know the listeners will be as well. Awesome. Well, thank you. And if you guys want to um, ask any questions, you can actually message the J is for justice page. You can post it on the Facebook page, whatever you want to do. We'll see it for sure. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon, Karen. Okay, well, have a good rest of your week, and we will talk to everyone later then. All right. Bye. Bye.